baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to the Dana and Parks podcast on KMBZ. That song can mean only one thing. That I'm about to sing? No, that Mackie's in the Mm -hmm. building. Uh, Real quick, I have an update to a story that we talked about at length yesterday out of Liberty, Missouri from Channel 9. I'm in here while you run downstairs and I'm reading the closed captioning on one of the stories they just did updating these dinglings that are going around stealing people's wallets in Liberty. Oh, yeah. And remember, it's like an older mom-looking woman, like 55, 60 years old, Mm -hmm. and a little bit of a younger guy than that, maybe 45 years old. And she looks like every mom you've ever seen in Liberty. But they're going around, like, distracting. One of them distracts you. And we talked about this yesterday. Well, they'll say, oh, my gosh, where did you get your hair done? Like, I love Mm -hmm. your hair. And then while she's saying that and disarming you as this mom-looking mom, he is digging in your wallet, ladies. So we keep reminding everybody, please wear a crossbody. Keep your crossbody purse zipped and do not sling that thing over the back of your chair. So we were thinking about all the different ways that people distract you. Grocery store. I'm sorry. Can you help me? I don't know which spaghetti to buy. It could be anything. And then they take your wallet. That's not what this couple is doing. What are they? Well, what are they? Do? Oh, we now we know they're they're ruse. Thank you, gentlemen. Oh God. Uh, according to authorities that they just interviewed on Channel Nine, the couple is going up acting confused to people around Liberty, like they don't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to mimic somebody who does I know you're not. That's how people get fired. This is another warning for you. Keep your purses with you at all times. Wear them as a crossbody. Keep them zipped. Do not sling them over the back of a chair. Mm. However, if a 60-year-old curvy mom who looks like she's from Liberty and comes up to you and starts pretending she's French and speaks in some bizarre French accent... They're trying to steal your wallet. Good tip. Uh, what happened last night between you two? Bonjour. Hello, Michael Mackey. Shalom. Shalom. I'm in the house. We met up for a bowl of soup. We went to a restaurant. We're not naming the restaurant because we don't want to overly embarrass the couple. Oh. Went to a very nice, recognizable restaurant yeah. in our city oh. for a bowl of soup. It doesn't even matter where the restaurant was. Michael. No, it doesn't. However, could you we- tell the story in a French accent, please? <laughs> I am from France. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait. Well, well. I, I am from France. I and can I tell this story. Just, just do your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a croissant? No, okay, that's enough. 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 So. Dana and I, Dana's having gumbo and I'm having a bisque. And all of a sudden Dana goes, what? And I was like, what? What are you? Like Dana was in the middle of yammering on about whatever it is Dana yammers on about. Mm -hmm. And then she had this look. Oh my God. She has this look on her face and she was like, don't 
be obvious, but turn around. Don't be obvious. And so, of course, what do I do? I quickly turn around. And make it look obvious. Super obvious. Mm -hmm. And there are two, I want to say, octogenarians. Why is this so awkward for me to talk about, but it's really awkward for me to talk about? So they're over 80 years. There's a couple there, a man and a woman. I'm going to go 70s to 80s. And they are making out. Scott. Like, I've never, like, he is checking her for tonsillitis. Or the other way around. I don't know which. as my hand to Moses, listen to me. This was a deep dive. Literally. Into each other's space in a way I, I have, and I'm... Look, I love it's ourtime.com and silverfox.com and all those. So there are people, you know, my parents' age that are finding new love and I am happy for them. I have never seen anything like this in any booth, in any restaurant in my entire life. Ever. And I was aghast. I I could not focus. You know me. I normally don't focus anyway. You're not a prude, though. No, I'm not a prude. But Scott, this was... Full on, full tilt groping. Full on going at it in a corner booth in a way that was. Were they dining as well? Uh, Were they checking each other for what they had for dinner? Because that was, I saw. I think they were. I I know what that is. I think they were checking each other for cavities because I mean, he was in there and then she kind of was like up. On like on her haunches going down and in. And I was like, what is happening okay, right. behind and, okay, you? And, and then Dana hang on, hang said, on, I wasn't there. And then Dana said, don't be, don't, you have to turn around. Quit staring. And because then we were like, and, and it then, wasn't loud. We were like five feet away from them. Yeah. I just go, oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh, oh, what? Oh, wow. What is happening right and there? And then sure enough, when they separated, I could have, I could have told you that this would happen. When they separated, it was, it was this, Noise. Noise. Like they didn't have their dentures in? No, like like they Scott, were. Why is this so awkward for me to talk about? There's nothing. Well, I'm not a big public display of affection kind of gal at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. But I feel like normally when you see this type of thing, it's at like, you know, the ice skating rink and it's a couple of 14-year-olds. And you're like, gross, yeah, please, gross. please or, don't. Or, or at a club and it's 21-year-olds. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Even you're like, then. You're like, ugh, get I'll a room. Like, we talked about this last night, Scott. Even if these had been 20-somethings in that booth, Uh it would have been so, so over the top that it would have been awkward for everybody. But why is this so? I'll answer that in a minute. I wasn't there, so let me ask you both a couple of very quick questions. Yes, she looked like your mother. (laughs) What? That is disgusting. I'm sorry. I'm trying to give you a visual. I you all you had to say was seventy to eighty. I know what an eighty-year-old woman looks like. I need like. you to understand. We are talking about someone, very beautiful woman, who happens to look like your mother. My mother's a beautiful woman, but she's also seventy-eight. Not that there's anything wrong with not that, that there's anything wrong with finding now, love at seventy-eight. Okay, let me ask two very quick questions. Where were hands? Were they on the table below deck? Okay, that's all you've got to say. This is a very well-known, very popular. Restaurant here in town. Was it crowded on a Monday night? Packed. Okay. But it here's the thing. Very popular happy hour. Okay. The booth <laughs> was very centrally located. Like from a visual, like I think they had to know that they were the centers uh, 
of attention. This was not a very dark booth. No, no, in this the was back. not subdued in any way. This was like you could literally see it from every vantage point in the bar. And I don't know why this is even a topic. It it was just so public. Sam wants to know: Were they having a very happy hour? <laughs> <clears throat> My delivery was better. The other two gentlemen that we were sitting with, one of them just said to me, oh, no, no, this has been going on for a while. And and he was seated directly, so... Did unless, anybody complain? Well, we just were so, like, what is happening right there? We were flabbergasted. Yeah. I was, yeah, I didn't know. I was aghast and appalled with two Ps. I said, I don't know whether to be shocked or proud of them. I mean, what do you say? And then he got up and like bolted and then she followed along and they walked out holding hands. It's very fine. Practically like skipping. Like like, like, like giddy giddy. teenagers. Here's what I think is going on. Okay. I think the Golden Bachelor comes out and now all of these old people around town think they can just go feeling and touching and loving like Steve Perry says in the very prominent main booth at that restaurant that shall not be named. Sam, I'm going to need you to cue up the porn music because that is all I heard when this was going on. Yeah, that. That was literally going on in the booth five feet away from us while I was trying to enjoy my bis. (laughs) He was. You should too. How long did this go on? Would you like to sample the bisque? I just did. I just did. <laughs> Are you saving room for dessert? I would say this at least fifteen. It was a. It was a. I would say fifteen to twenty minutes. Scott. It was a. It oh. got. It got to the point that I moved my chair this way and just tried to look at Michael and pretend that that was not going on right there. See now we laugh about this the day after because, and you were saying why is this so awkward to talk about? Yeah. Um, if this was a twenty-one-year-old couple, mm-hmm. you would have thought to yourself, oh "My God, get a room. This is disgusting." Or 40. I was just going there. If it was a 40 or 50-year-old couple, you would say horribly uncouth. These these yeah. two people are immature. They're out of their mind. Probably recently divorced. Yeah. Finding love for the first time in a year or two, whatever. When it's an older couple, you don't know whether to laugh or cry. And you want to laugh because it's kind of cute. You darlings. And I don't mean laugh no, like make this fun was of them. No, cute. I, I, no, I'm trying to. I'm trying to go along with it, Mike. Like, I can't. No, I can't. this was in no way cute. Uh, by the way, thirty ninety six. You did guess the restaurant correctly. Yes, they said this has blank written all over. it. I was just like, check, please. They need a check, did, please. Did the waiters not say anything? No. Did anybody complain? No. Well, what were you going to say? If we had complained, they were sitting as close to me, Scott, as. Closer than Sam is to me. If somebody's in a, in a movie theater making a lot of noise right next to you, you would say something. Well, I'm not going to say, well, someone please tell these very lovely, they probably get an AARP discount They'd, and go to Super 8. They did not come up for air. Not once. It was full on, full tilt macking. Frantic. That's the word I'm going to use. It Frene- was yeah. Frenetic. Like it frenetic. Was, like it was their last kiss yes. ever. Yes. This, this is it. I'll never kiss again. <laughs> Michael says... There was a certain menu item that is considered in some regions of the world to be an aphrodisiac. Will you write it down? And he just goes, cut them off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oysters. Yes. Were they on the half shell? Gross. (laughs) They were slurping them down and they were slurping each other. Michael. Unnecessary. 
You know, my parents have been married for 50 years. Very healthy marriage, very happy. They make each other laugh. But I think about, like, what if my mom and dad were out and that was their be- – I, I would be – Mortified, but why? Why they didn't have a, this couple did not have a care in the world. No, they, they did not. They were not focused on anything else but each other. So good for them. And you know they went home and sealed the deal because they couldn't have got out there fast <laughs> enough. Um, they were like, multiple people have guessed the restaurant correctly. Multiple. Anyway, God yeah, love them. I just you know, sparks were flying. Yeah. Yeah. But not in public. Come on. No, I agree. It's it's tacky. I think more importantly, did we talk about the Blake Lively and Taylor Swift picture that we posted right after that? We did reenact that photo last night. I saw it on Facebook. Now that's good times. I'll post it later. You already did. I saw it this morning. In the same booth. Did you? We were sitting in the booth. We were sitting in the booth, and I think that booth needs like a nameplate. It did not. It needed to. It needs a sanitizer. (laughs) I was like, do we have any Bactine (laughs) to spray this down? Ma'am. It's gross. Any back teen at all? It's disgusting. 913-586-7798. Ma'am, would you like some butter Love with that. your biscuit? Love has no age. Really? Really? 913-586. I'll have the tartar. <laughs> You'll be back on Thursday. I'll see you Thursday. Can't wait to see you here. It'll be great. Uh, 913-586-7798. 586-7798. Here on Dana and Parks. I'd like to butter your biscuit. Only one person was upset with us. Said, leave him alone. Leave me alone. I'm trying to eat my soup. No, they said, you know, maybe they, maybe they're, they know they're both getting ready to die and they're trying to go out with a bang. I said, go out with a bang at your own house. <laughs> so I can't talk about it anymore. I put locked doors on those things. Uh, CBS News hackers access the personal data of millions of people, Dana Wright, who use services from the genetic testing company 23andMe in October. Uh, the company confirmed that last night. The company launched an investigation in October after a threat actor claimed online to have 23andMe users' profile information. What, that I'm not allergic to cilantro and my ring finger is shorter than my middle finger? And you're three-eighths Native American, yeah. Okay. A spokesperson at the time said the company believed threat actors targeted the accounts of 23andMe users who had reused usernames and passwords from other sites that had also been hacked. Spokesperson did not reveal how many people had been impacted by the hack. <clears throat> Although I saw a number earlier uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 7.3 million, I believe, is what it was. All right. Uh, not that I have any insight into what they would do with it, but genome sequencing is like the code to you. Yeah, but what, are they going to make me? They're going to remake me? They could. Good luck. <laughs> they're not going to get the personality, but they're going to get everything else. Okay. Uh, YouTuber and former Olympian Trevor Jacob has been sentenced to six months in prison after admitting that he intentionally crashed his plane to gain online oh, this views. This is that idiot that mm-hmm. said his plane was going down. Yeah, you made it go down. The 30-year-old California man deliberately downed his plane while filming the stunt in Santa Barbara on November 24th, 2021. 
He then hid the evidence from investigators. Jacob pleaded guilty in June to one count of destruction and concealment with the intent to obstruct a federal investigation. He was looking for I know, plans. but let, let me read this correctly. He's not going to prison for stepping outside of a plane and just letting the plane go off into wherever it ended up landing. Correct. He's going to prison for lying about the ordeal when police asked him about it. That's for, how well, I read for, that, well, or when the FAA asked well, him about what it. What he did, after the plane crashed, once he had the video and he was good to go, he went back and started removing key pieces of evidence from the plane. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Now, it is illegal to intentionally crash a plane, but I think... I think they got they him on obstruction. They not don't on... have enough evidence to prove that he oh, did it on please. purpose. Well, he, well, and let's be honest, we don't know if that was part of a plea deal. We'll drop the destruction of an aircraft in exchange for you pleading guilty. How did he know that that thing wasn't going to fly into, I don't know, people? Well, he flew it into a mountain. He, he was in a secluded part of Santa Barbara But County. how do you know there's not someone hiking well, down I, there? You don't. He should go to prison for attempted murder and for being a moron. Uh, from the text line, nobody is ever going to re- remake you, Dana. You're far too unique and special. Oh, thank you very there much. There is no replacement for your awesomeness. Come on and get my data. That's what I was saying about the personality part. Very sweet. Yeah, I, I, Sam, I'm, I'm not challenging you. I'm just reading somebody who agrees. It's are- like the people that clone their dog. It's not the same dog. No, it just no, looks the same. No, and you're just out $60,000. Yeah. Um, you might I, as well just breeded the dog. There right. are a couple of stories today that just grind my bean, and I had heard that Brian Landry's horrible family uh, was either in on this or had some update or knew mm-hmm. earlier, but I never clicked on it. Okay. And then today I look at it and I say to Scott during the break, they knew because I thought it was clickbait. We finally know what they knew. No, it's not clickbait. Mm-hmm. We now know what they knew about Gabby Petito's disappearance and when they knew it. And I will ask you when we come back, why are they not in jail. They belong right next to Skydiver Weirdo. A lawsuit has been filed by Gabby Petito's parents Good. against the parents of Brian Long. But why is this not criminal Good. is what we'll ask when we get back. 913-586-7798-586-7798. We were low this year on our total for Coats for Kids. And the weather probably has a lot to do with that. We had a shortened Coats for Kids season, all that stuff. Uh, we've extended Coats for Kids this year. I think it's the first time we've ever had to do it. If you can help, we really need your help. The children of Kansas City really need your help because there is no excuse for a child in this town going to school in the winter without a winter coat. And every penny that you donate goes to buy new coats for children in five school districts here in Kansas City who, for whatever reason, through no fault of their own, don't have a warm winter coat to wear to the bus stop. If you can help... And there is a dire need in our town. There is every single year. Please go to KMBZ.com. Click on the Coats for Kids logo. That'll take you to a safe and secured website where you can make a donation, contribution, whatever you want to call it. KMBZ.com or text KMBZ Coats. KMBZ Coats, one word, to 44321. And thank you. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 
Before we get to the Brian Laundry Gabby Petito story that just came out today, uh, very quickly, never say you don't learn something on this show. I just saw a meme on Facebook. I'm like, there's no way that can be true. So I actually looked it up. It's true. The, me- the meme is a picture of Amelia Earhart and a man standing next to a plane. Okay. She's still missing. Mm-hmm. So is he. Yeah, her navigator. If you ever feel like you've been forgotten, just remember... There was another person in the plane when Amelia Earhart went missing. His name was Fred Noonan. Fred Noonan. I I had no idea. Okay, A, I knew that. B, I would have missed the name if that was the question on Jeopardy. Mm. But C, when you said it, it rings a bell. She had a navigator with her. I I had no idea. I thought she was flying solo. So, Did you just make the joke that I think you made that so, the navigator didn't do a very good job? So she, she said, "She That's said the easy Amelia, way to get forgotten." Amelia Earhart had a navigator, and then she t- she looks at me with the universal sign of "turn off your microphone" so she can make a joke, and we both do. And she looks at me and goes, "Hashtag fail." Did not quite navigate properly. Look, there's always someone history forgets the second person to step on the moon surface. Buzz Aldrin. I talked to him on the phone once. Or the third. I don't know who that is. See? Can you imagine? Like they were just lined up that way? But if Armstrong was the first, who filmed it? Okay. All right. No. <laughs> the guy in Hollywood? No. Stop. Uh, which, by the way, I watched the day after documentary last night. Run, oh, do oh, not walk. Was, is it good? Oh, Scott, you're going to love so it. Where, did you see it on Amazon Prime? It's on Amazon Prime. You can get it on streaming. It free or it's do you like have to pay $4. But please support this, and here's why. The entire film, The Day After, really shook a lot of people my age to the core when we were children because we all thought we were going to die. Okay, the height of the Cold War. It was the height of the Cold War. As a child, I didn't understand what was happening, but I knew the movie scared the absolute crap out of me. Um, The screening happened at Liberty Theater last night on Mass Street in Lawrence where they had all of the actors and all of the – and by actors, I don't mean Hollywood actors. I mean the – principles that brought the film to life were there. They took questions, but go find it. It's not called the day after it's called television event because 100 million people tuned into ABC. It to this day is the highest rated televised movie of all time. Mm -hmm. 100 million people tuned in at the height of the cold war to watch the story (laughs) about the destruction of Lawrence, Kansas city. They mentioned Harrisonville because nukes go off, right? Here's why you all are going to love it. It isn't just the story of how the movie got made. It is the media. It is ABC suits and standards and practices people who were saying, well, we can't show people bleeding. And the director's like, "Um, what do you think is going to happen if a bomb is dropped on the United States of America? Because they um, consulted people who survived the bomb drop in Nagasaki and Hiroshima, right? They're like, we have a general idea of what this looks like. There's not going to be anything left. There was Mm -hmm. nothing left. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of like ABC standards people pushing back and saying, well, we can't show this to the American public. We can't. And the director's like, "Uh, yeah, we are, and we will, and if you don't think we're going to show it, fire me. Find somebody else to make your show. But but two 
three or four years prior, you could show a African being brought over, sold as a slave, whipped, beaten, tortured, enslaved in roots, right? Yeah. But you can't show somebody getting vaporized or bleeding in the aftermath of a nuclear explosion. During a time in America where that was a very real threat. Here's the other reason you are going to really be interested in this, Scott. It gets into the politics behind the scene and the White House stepping in and telling ABC, we want to see the script and we want to be able to prior restraint the script, take this out, take this out, because that was in the middle of Ronald Reagan's, we're going to be tough in this nuclear arms race, when I think the majority of polling in America showed people, including moms and dads of young children, were saying, we don't, this is not a race anyone's going to win. We don't want to be involved in this race. We won, though. It is something. And Hmm. that film did swing public opinion. Without question, it it did. Mm -hmm. Well, because I don't think people, there was never a a theatric uh, representation of what you could expect if things got out of hand. And in the early 80s. The vaporization of society. Of an entire city. The one thing they said in the beginning where they flew airplanes over Kansas, okay? They knew they wanted to film this in Kansas. They started flying airplanes over to look at the landscape and look at where would maybe be a good place to do this. And there's just a mention of this. As they flew over our state, they saw a shocking number of silos. Grain silos, yeah. No, these were described as missile silos. Missile silos. Oh. And the directors were like, even we couldn't believe when the plane went up, like, these are dotted all up and down Kansas farmland. Mm-hmm. Are, are those still out there? I'm sure some of them are, yeah. And it showed footage of this. Yeah. And You're- so they were like, if you ever thought that this wasn't a real threat, we had silos all over Kansas pointed toward the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Oh, the silos are still there. Yeah. What do they do with them? Some of them are bomb shelters. and um, you. Some of them are up for sale. Mm-hmm. You can buy an old missile silo. I've seen one. I've seen stories where they, somebody bought one. and If I won the lottery, you know where to find it. me. But th- there's a reason. I, I think I'm speaking accurately here. I believe this is true. The reason they would separate the silos is so that if we were to be attacked, you couldn't knock out our retaliation in one fell swoop. Yeah. All right, you got that one, but you didn't get this one over here. Right. You know? It made it sound like there were a lot. I'm sure there are. In our region. Well, there's also a lot uh, all the way up and down the central plains. The Dakotas. Mm -hmm. Dakotas had a lot. And they're away from big cities because Mm -hmm. the big cities would, in theory, have been the targets of the opposition's nukes. Part of it kind of makes me want to go back and watch a day after, and part of it doesn't because I feel like that's a hot stove for me because I was so scared about that and freaked out about that. Like a lot of people my age when we were in grade school and, you know, it came with, it, yeah, it came with a warning that this may be too intense for children. You know, and they're like, okay, yeah, it was. I have, I have nightmares to this day about that stupid movie. Yeah, but making us dive under desks knowing that we'd be vaporized anyway. Yeah, was I always wonder, was there ever a science teacher? During that time in America, that raised his or her hand and said, um, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> we don't really need to be doing that drill. Right? There's not going to be anything left. Correct. That that is not going to stop 
the flaming hot radiation as it pours through the window of that school. You'll also see what they did on Mass Street. They basically cleared out Mass Street and made that the disaster zone. You see weavers in the background. When they say when they filmed it, it had to have been in the summer. Had to have been. Um, to shut down Mass Street. It definitely looked summer because people are in T-shirts and yeah. it shows people on Wesco Beach in Lawrence on the KU campus. You'll It really is a nostalgic look back at that time. Hmm. It's called Television Event. Okay. Uh, Brian Launder story? Mm. You want to move it to five? Nope. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, story here from NBC News. Brian Laundry allegedly called his parents nearly two weeks before Gabby Petito was even reported missing, saying that his fiance was, quote, gone, and he needed a lawyer, according to new court filings. Petito, 22, and Laundry, you may recall, were on a cross-country road trip in the summer of 2021 when she vanished in a case that made headlines Around the world, Laundrie disappeared while he was named person of interest in the case and was found dead in Florida one month after Petito's body was found in a national forest in Wyoming. Officials say he left a note saying that he was responsible for her death. Petito's parents, Gabby Petito's parents, Joseph Petito and Nicole Schmidt, allege that Laundrie's parents and their attorney knew that Petito was dead but lied to them and the public by issuing messages of hope that she would be eventually found. Let me read that one again. Please. Petito's parents allege that Laundrie's parents and their attorney knew that Petito was dead, but lied to them and the public by issuing messages of hope that she would be found. In an amended complaint filed in the Petito lawsuit against Christopher and Roberta Laundrie and their lawyer, Stephen Bertolino, Petito's parents allege that Brian Laundrie told his parents in a frantic telephone call that Gabby was gone on August 29th, 2021. She was found 13 days later. Check that. That was 13 days before Petito's mother even reported her missing. How are they not in prison? How? Frantic call. Gabby is gone. I need a lawyer. There is nothing else that means. Nothing else that means. How do they know that call was made? I don't know. It's in the filing. Well, but... but it's in their filing, but, yeah, alleging in, it happened. Yeah, I, I asked Dana that earlier, too, when we were talking. Where is where's the evidence? And, and that might explain why no charges have been filed. The attorney did contact lawyers in Wyoming at some point where Gabby's body was eventually found, that attorney filed a motion to settle his part in the lawsuit in September of this year. Hmm. I'm curious. For the, Dana and I love to play lawyer on the oh. air, but, but we don't have a law degree. How is this not illegal? If the federal government was saying to them, where is your son? And they were saying, we do not know where he is. Have you talked to your son? No, we have no idea where he is. And you, mm-hmm. how is that not at the very least you have lied? No, it would be obstruction, it's obstruction. Obstruction of justice, especially after after she's nope, been reported. Nope, we do not know where's. No, we do not. Once she's been reported missing, I would make the argument if these allegations are true, and I, I I bet they are. That is obstruction of justice. The problem becomes, until or unless you can get somebody to flip on the other, where's your evidence? Because now, you know what, Scott? Though think about it this way. Let's ask our attorneys out there this. 
did the attorney have a legal responsibility? Ethical responsibility. Well, certainly ethical, but a legal responsibility if he knew that the parents of Brian had this phone call, mm-hmm. did he have a legal responsibility to tell authorities? Or had can you just subpoenaed? can you just lie and say my clients and and lie to the cameras? My clients have no idea where she is. Surely there are defense lawyers who go into court defending a murderer knowing full well he did it. But he's, he, I have to, I mean, d- does client privilege <sighs> I don't fall know. under that? Now, had he been subpoenaed and under oath yeah, and in sure. interrogation of sorts and lied, that would be different. I don't think it is. If the FBI comes to your door and they are searching your house and they ask you, do you know where he is? And you look at them and you say no, even though you just got off the phone with him and he's frantic saying, I don't know where she's gone. Get me a lawyer. Lying to the FBI. That is, is obstruction. You don't have to be in some interrogation room but being Mirandized. That wouldn't have been the case because this was 13 days before she was even reported missing. But I'm sure that authorities were in contact with his family and probably his family's lawyer even after she had been reported missing, because I believe it was another month before she was found. Fair. Remember he sent messages from, quote, Gabby's phone Mm -hmm. to himself and back to make it look like they were in communication? 913-586-7798-586-7798. Dana asked a great question. If this lawyer knew, if he did, that's what the lawsuit claims, was that the the laundry family lawyer knew that Gabby was dead, that Brian was responsible, and that he was now on the run, basically. On the run from what? Nothing. He wasn't charged yet. Does that lawyer have a legal obligation to tell police, hey, listen, I know what's going on. Brian killed her. She's dead. We don't know where she is, but that's that's where we are. Okay. He then returned to their home, Scott. Do not forget that. That's right. Uh, Text line claims that if the attorney hears from the client an admission of guilt, they cannot lie in court. Cannot lie in court, but they can still represent. Okay, but Sam, follow me here. He calls and says, she's gone. I need a lawyer. And then a couple of days later, he shows up at the mom and dad's house. You want me to believe that when he showed up at that house, what's the first thing you would say to your kid? What happened? You're in her van. You said she was gone. You needed a lawyer. Where is she? Quick break. 913-586. Lies, lies, lies. 586-7798. TJ Holmes and Amy Robach opened up for the first time at length about their controversial relationship and exit from ABC News. TJ Holmes, 46 described the pair as, quote, the folks who lost the job we love because we love each other. Uh, Amy and TJ podcast it debuted today. Uh, Robach said she was nervous about sharing their story because we haven't spoken, quoting here, because we haven't spoken, we haven't said anything, and other people have had our story. They've told our narrative, and I should say our. They told a narrative. It isn't our narrative. This is the first time that we actually get to say what happened and where we are today. They both said they were well in their way through their individual divorces when their relationship started. Okay. You weren't fired for getting divorced. You You're were fired, fired for lying about you it. You were fired for, for having a 
a relationship with somebody at work or, and your bosses didn't know about it. Or did they lie about it? I'm asking. I, I don't know if they lie. I'm sure, I'm sure they probably didn't tell the truth. Some companies have policies about yeah. it. Some don't. Yeah. Wise to check the policy. Well, uh, re- really quick, I, I want to move on to some good news because I love this and I want to get this in before the end of the hour. Did you hear the Chiefs have nominated the nominee for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year mm-hmm. Award? Good choice. This makes me so happy. Um, who did we nominate last year? You remember? Was it wasn't Creed, was it? No. Um, gosh, who was it? Sam? Anyway, the Kansas City Chiefs have turned to the reigning NFL MVP as the team's representative for the very prestigious Community Service Award. Uh, it is one of the NFL's highest honor, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award. And the Chiefs announced today that Patrick Mahomes has been nominated for that award presented by Nationwide for a second year in a row. There it is. Second yeah, year in a row. Yeah, that's right. I, I just looked it Each up. Each of the 32 teams nominates one. Hmm. And he is nominated for his charitable efforts for, for 15 in the Mahomies. Good for him. That makes me happy. Quick break for the news. She is Dana. He is Sam. My name is Scott. Don't forget, we're way down on our donations this year for Coats for Kids. We have extended the campaign for a couple of weeks. If you can help, please, please go to KMBZ. Thanks for listening to the Dana and Parks podcast. Remember, you can catch us online anytime at KMBZ.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 